Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Horns Up. And this time, we are doing this a little bit differently, Auntie Peter. You are all the way down under in Australia. Yeah, man. It's kind of weird because it's cool here, closer to winter. The seasons are kind of inverted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 7 a.m. in the morning back here in Bombay and I'm already sweating like a pig. Yeah, and I'm sitting outdoors at 9.30 p.m. in the morning and it's nice and cool. I'm not coming back, Anmesh. I'm not coming back. <laughs> Which means then all our listeners will have to get used to you being on cellular phone kind of voice. <laughs> Anyways, we kid, we kid. All right, so this week we're also doing things a little bit differently with the interview that we have for you guys. And that's because... Be warned, if you're a metal purist, you might not actually enjoy this show. Uh, well, old schoolers, where we apologize. I know we had the Entombed episode last week, and if you enjoyed that, this is kind of the other end of the spectrum in the metal world, if you may. So we have as our guest, uh, Jermaine Hurley from the hip, I, I would say hip-hop influenced or, you know, uh, metal act, as he puts it hacktivist uh, they're from the uk and uh, they made headlines few years ago because they mixed the gent with rap and hip-hop and that was something which a lot of people had not seen especially since the death of i don't know was it really the death of new metal new metal i guess was probably like the tamagotchi phase it saw a huge surge in popularity you had new metal bands coming in dime a dozen it served as a gateway for a lot of people in the late 90s and the early 2000s to get introduced to metal as such. So no matter what you say, I'm guessing new metal will always have that street cred, if you may. Or even that nostalgia factor. I mean, uh, it's not like I regularly listen to a Linkin Park or a Limbiscuit album, but, you know, if on my playlist something or a shuffle it just kind of pops up i'm not gonna skip it for sure oh definitely not i mean even if you go back a little bit in time uh rage against the machine i still would think would classify as a metal band sure it's not it's not as heavy but come on man those riffs those solos they were doing a lot of things that metal bands would and the fact that they had a legit uh wordsmith with them in zach de la roca made it all that much better um, of course, new metal gets a lot of slack. So, yeah, there's the other side of the coin completely because it's, it's sort of the genre kind of symbolizes all the, not negative, but I would say all the things that posers identify with the most. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about it. The way I look at it also, since we talked about it on our previous episodes, where you have groove metal also getting that... You know, it's it's not cool to like Panthera or bands like that anymore. But yeah, yeah. When I think about it, didn't wasn't that one of the reasons we got into metal because it wasn't cool? So where did it kind of matter what was in, what was cool, what was trendy or not? I when I look back, the reason I got into metal was not because it was trendy or cool. So I don't know, man. Yeah, it was just a sound that we really enjoyed and we wanted more of. And that's something that Jermaine also talks about, right? I mean, how accepting metal as such was to him 
He's a complete outsider. He's not the traditional metalhead that we've generally had on the show, right? Uh, not grown up with the music as such, comes at it from a completely different world and yet is having the time of his life in a band that fuses the metal sound with his grime and rap world. Yeah, yeah. and in that, I mean, I think we've kind of given an enough introduction because after all of this, people really need to just have an open mind and listen to the interview. And I think it was really refreshing to hear uh, his take on just how it's been for them for the last five years. Yeah, completely. So, uh, with all that being said, let's dive straight in. Here is Jermaine Hurley from Hacktivist. So, it's great to have in our show on the latest episode of Horns Up, here's Jay from Hacktivist. Uh, welcome back, uh, Jay. Uh, Hacktivist back on the scene now. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been pretty good being back, actually. Um, yeah, it feels good. Everyone's appreciating the new song. And uh, yeah, it's been had an amazing response from the new song. So yeah, it's good to be back finally. So just kind of if you can run us through, how did music happen for you? Do you come from a musical family? Take us through your journey. Yeah, my dad um, got me into music. He was always listening to a lot of reggae and Michael Jackson stuff. Um, when I used to go to his flat on the weekends, um, we used to sing along to the songs. He used to give us a fake mic. Me and my brother used to jump around his flat um, singing Michael Jackson songs. So that's, that's I think that's where my musical um, upbringing came from. And uh, were there any other musical idols you had? Yeah, uh, growing up, there's a lot of musical idols I had um, growing up, obviously like Eminem um, and some of the grime, um, the grime artists from the UK, like Wiley and Dizzy Rascals, really heavily into those growing up. Okay, the grime world itself is something that uh, most metalheads as such aren't really exposed to. So can you just help us understand what grime is? Grime is kind of, um, it's like an English version of hip-hop, you know, like how hip-hop came from the States. Grime basically came from the UK and it's kind of slowed down drum and bass uh, warped sub-low beats um, with rapping over the top of it. Okay, what what really attracted you to that kind of sound? Was it the rap element in it or was it just the beats? and? Yeah, it was the rap element of it and, and um, the battling as well. There's a lot of battling, uh, clashing going on in the grime scene um, and that attracted me straight away. I just wanted to get involved with that straight away. Uh, so were you a part of rap battles? Yeah, I've done a few rap battles, yeah. Grime clashes and stuff, yeah, back in the UK. At that time also, uh, since you were into Eminem, at that time, new metal or like metal was also having a kind of resurgence back then. So was there any like rock or metal artists that you listened to? Limp Bizkit. Um, yeah, as soon as I discovered Limp Bizkit, I loved Limp Bizkit straight away. Um and then from through listening to Limp Bizkit, I got into Korn and um, Linkin Park a little bit as well. So it was still more of the the rapping bits that were attracting you, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah, yeah. Did rock or metal attract you at all? Like having heard Limp Bizkit and Korn and stuff, were you paying attention to the music part of it? Or was it still the uh, the verse and the rap and the flow 
that they were putting on with this new kind of beat and this the rock beat as such to it i was more attracted to the lyrics and um the slow hip-hop beats really um yeah the metal the, the new metal um that was coming out those days i wasn't really yeah i wasn't i never really thought about um rapping over metal to be honest with you i didn't really think about it i just wanted to be like hip-hop and grime so um obviously i liked limp biscuit but i never thought that um that i'd be like rapping in a in a metal band it didn't really come across to me at all but so, you know i think my research and i was just i came across that the the whole idea for the hacktivists popped when you were recording with your former guitarist Timphy James and you heard the initial riffs of the tracks that he had there so just take us back uh, to that time what were the first thoughts uh, that you had when you heard those riffs how did the whole thing come about i never really thought about it but with um with the grime is the, the tempo is usually 130 bpm which is which was the same BPM as the metal songs that Timothy was making. It was the exact same tempo. So I'd already had, I'd already written a lyric that said um, that I liked grime and grunge because at that time I started getting into metal. So I'd already, already had a lyric that started, I like grime and grunge. Um, and then, yeah, he just played the beat and I did that lyric. It's a grime lyric. I just did it over a metal beat and it worked perfectly. We didn't have to change anything. I didn't have to speed up or slow down or um, try and fit. It, you know, it was, it was just, it just worked over the beat. So, uh, yeah, soon I've recorded it. And as soon as we listened, as soon as we listened to it back, I thought, wow, that's amazing. Let's do it. Um, yeah. And, then, and which song was this that you guys put together? Was it Hacktivist, your self-titled single? Yeah, self-titled single, Hacktivist, yeah. What was it about the riffs that kind of, I know you said, uh he he recorded it at 130 bpm but was there something different that you heard compared to any of the new metal stuff like i know there was the gent movement happening that time and i didn't really know about the gent scene at that time or okay. I, i i just looked at it as metal um, right. i was just i just looked at it as metal and and i liked um because say like about two months two three months before this happened in the studio I was chilling with um, Ben and Tim and I started you know, getting into what they were listening to. And, you know, anything that gets played and I can bop my head to, like, if I can bop my head to it and I feel it, then I can rap over it. So, yeah, I didn't really think too much about uh, the gent or what it was going to do. I just kind of just did it. Was there anything particular about the riffs that resonated with the musician in you? I loved, I loved the sound of the guitar. I just loved the sound of the guitar because it kind of, it just it just pulls um it kind of pulls at your at your heartstrings and gets your emotions going and um it was all different to me because it's like a whole new level of things because before i'd just be doing like a grime beat and that would have like i don't know all the parts in it but yeah the metal to me with the drums as well i just found the drums amazing um because i was actually a part of it you know i was inside I can't really explain it, but when you when you get a beat, most of the grind beats and stuff are all just made on computer with different mm-hmm. sounds. Mm-hmm. But in, in a studio, like I don't know, the sounds of the guitars, they just do something to your um, the sounds of the guitars just doing something to my emotions and to my feelings. It just felt mm-hmm. right to express a lot over those guitars and drums, and then I started seeing it as like all five of us moving 
in sync at the same time was kind of crazy uh, rather than me just doing it on my own as a grime hip-hop artist. All right. So uh, to talk a little bit more about the formation of the hacktivist and the band itself, first question, why choose to call yourselves hacktivist? Because that's a huge statement that you guys made with just the name. It kind of started as we're like, um, we're, um, we're kind of like a political band. We, we don't just want to, we want to, um, you know, we want to speak about wars and stuff and not just, not just um, the birds and the bees, basically. And we, we kind of give ourselves that name because at first we were like, we like hacked into the music. We hacked into the music industry, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah so that, that's why we kind of gave ourselves that name because we're just we're hacking in <laughs> yeah that's, that's we, we ended up hacking in to the music game more than we expected you know we thought we'd just call ourselves hacktivists you know hacking in but yeah we ended up getting more views and more shows and more um more everything. We'll definitely be addressing your meteoric rise to success a bit later. Um, I, w- I want to understand, though, um, what was the collective energy in that room like? I mean, you yourself said that five people came together and you guys locked in and there was some magic. Can you describe that magic for us? Why did you guys think that activists needed to exist? Um, because I was just hip-hop and grime and I, I started listening to the screaming, like the screaming of um, of other vocalists because um, they was in Heart of a Coward at the time yeah. when, I started, when I started chilling with them. So, I, um, yeah, they, I started listening and getting into the screams. Yeah, that's when we knew it was magic. It was what made us kind of do it was just, yeah, we kept talking about it. Like me and me and Ben kept talking about it. I said, well, like you scream on a grime song. I wanted, I wanted to get Ben screaming on one of my grime songs because I thought that would be sick. No one's done that before, and it's it's pain. You can hear it. Like, so yeah, we did that. He 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 um he screamed on one of my grime songs, and then he was like, right, yeah, next next I'm gonna I'm gonna rap on one of your metal songs. Do you know what I mean? So we just did it because people people from the grime scene and the metal scene don't don't really chill together um that much in Milton Keynes where we're from. But I've I've always been really open um with my grime and hip hop and metal. Like I've been always been into skateboarding and BMXing, so. Um, yeah, what made us do it was just yeah, me and uh, no, I, I'm I'm a local rapper. Ben Ben was a local screamer, and it was like we were like good mates. So it was like yeah, let's let's bring our stuff together in the studio, and um, yeah, it just seemed to work. That was it. All right, this is for things beyond the music, of course. Does rap and metal behave differently in any fashion? Um, does it behave behave differently? Okay, not just rap, but grime, rap, and metal. Do these worlds behave differently, or are they, or are there similar things in it as well? Yeah, they are. They are. They are pretty different, to be fair. What's the difference? The difference. The the um the the metal scene's a lot more nicer. I I think I enjoy the metal scene more than the grime and hip hop scene. Um, <laughs> the grime and hip hop scene is very competitive. Um, very very competitive. A lot of people want to show off their money and how much money they've got and stuff in the in the hip hop and grime scene. And if you don't, you get people look at you and turn their noses up. If you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, at, at, like when I was when I was at a hip hop or grime rave before, it was um, 
it was more about battling and being the best MC. But when I've come to the metal scene, it's more love. Everybody just likes each other and everyone just wants to chill with each other. And yeah, I think I, I definitely prefer, I definitely prefer the metal scene than the hip hop and grime scene. Um, but yeah, it's totally, it's two different worlds. It is t- two different worlds. Okay, so definitely with Hacktivist, you're hacking the entire scene. You're bringing two worlds together. Um, does that mean that at a Hacktivist gig, you have both audiences coming together? Yeah, we've seen a lot of that, which has been which has been really good. We've seen a lot of um, people that don't usually listen to metal, but they'll come to a Hacktivist show. And, and the opposite as well, you know, a lot of people that don't really listen to rap will come to a Hacktivist show. So yeah, we are. We are starting to see a mix. Starting to see a good mix in the crowds, yeah. Right. So the first time I heard of Hacktivist actually was an article on the website Metal Sucks, which kind of tagged you as rap meets gent. And the is it the return of new metal? There was a polarizing uh, response to the single that you put out. I, I think it was Hacktivist. So I have two questions on that. Um, one was the new metal. There's a certain stigma attached to that word looking back now, and it's mocked. Do you agree or disagree, and why? Um, I disagree in um, I disagree in different names for metal for different times, uh, like new metal, old metal. I just for me, it's just music. Yeah. Yeah, I mean hip hop, grime, dump, drum. Dubstep, drum and bass. It's all just one music. I think there's too many different names for too much different stuff. Like, yeah, to me, I don't really see it as gent or new metal or anything. I just see it as uh, as metal. <laughs> did that new metal categorization, did it affect the band at all? Because certainly both grime, rap, as well as metal purists don't really quite like meshing two different worlds together yeah which is which is shit but i mean you guys must have faced a lot of that too yeah yeah i think um i think the new putting the new metal world and it was good good for us i think i think it had i don't think it's done us any i think it's only done us favors because everyone wants to hear what's new didn't they <laughs> so you know you mentioned earlier and you talked about your meteoric rise to success and you guys were rocket strapped if you could say so and you guys were clearly delivering on those expectations and how. So how did you guys in person uh, and as a band deal with those things? They were really changing fast for you guys. Uh, well, for me, it was all right. Um, yeah, it was quite fine. It was, um, it was pretty crazy. Just I think there was about, there was about a year where, um, where I only stayed at my house about three times. I was just continuously touring for a whole year, just playing every festival. Um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, obviously watching all the views go up really fast. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it was a dream come true. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Every, every, every aspect of it. What about the band? How did they deal with how fast things were happening? Were you guys expecting it? Uh, I don't think we was expecting it, but I'll tell you one thing that made us stronger was, was going on a big, a big tour. We went on a month long tour with Enter Shikari. Um, okay. it was like uh, it was like 30 shows in 36 days or something so we only had like that's a grueling schedule man yeah and that was uh, that was like when we first started so 
but that that molded us and made us into a strong band that we we learned from Enter Shikari on that tour how to be a band you know that 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 turned us into a professional professional band that that tour did um so yeah I suppose that was good that was good and then obviously we played a lot of festivals a lot of big festivals on big stages um and I think that was all good I think that was all good for us because you know when you get when you get thrown in at the deep end uh sometimes that's the best way to learn <laughs> so yeah we learned a lot and it's thanks to all that touring that I got to hear about Hacktivist for the first time because you guys came down to Bombay and played Big 69 that's um that's the probably the one of the best memories in my life man that's up there like in my top 5 top 5 shows ever um memories from that festival um oh it's just awesome i think the stage we played on was a red bull bus yeah it was a bus you guys played on a bus what was really on like, i've never done that before so that was crazy um there was lots and lots of people there and yeah we watched sixth as well they played they played on a big massive stage and they had like flames at the side of the stage um yeah i just remember um drinking some nice rum i think it was called monkey <laughs> old monk old monk <laughs> yeah some mad rum it was really nice um yeah and uh that was one of the best times was one of the best times of my life going over to, uh, over to mumbai india it was really 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 good trip man really good trip because we we got looked after you know you looked after us when we when we come over there so got treated nicely so it's nice. was the indian crowd or experience any different from other countries and cities you've played in They're a good crowd. A really really good crowd. Um I think it was really really hot. I don't know how <laughs> I suppose I suppose you guys are a bit more used to the heat out there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The the the, the crowd are really nice. Uh, the crowd are really nice. Yeah, they're just um really warming, you know, and they're happy to see you. They they're, they're all happy that you've come that far out to see them, so All right, cool. Um so that's all of course in the past. Let's talk about the present a bit. Uh, there was a little bit of a downtime in the middle for the band, but now, of course, you guys are back. Why is this the right time for Hacktivist to step back into the spotlight? Now's the time because, um, yeah, basically, we had to we had to reprogram everything, and it takes a lot of time, you know. Wow, pun intended. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that so now now we're we're a fully functioning, strong team again. So we're. Um, So now's a perfect time to just come back and start releasing music. Yeah. I mean, we didn't we didn't choose we didn't choose for things to take this long since other members left to get going again. Um obviously things take a little bit more longer sometimes when you're uh if you're signed by a label and stuff, you've got to go through some legal bits and bobs. But um yeah, I mean, the time feels right now. We've we've got a lot and a lot of new music to release, so We're just going to keep releasing new music now and working on new stuff while we're doing that. Touched upon the members uh, joining in. How did uh, Joe Maxi and you would become part of your lineup? Well, as soon as as soon as Ben left, we we already knew because um, I don't know if you've heard the Outside the Box album. There's a Grime yeah. song on there and it's got Joe Maxi on it. Um, so yeah, we already knew him anyway. we would we already roll through with him he's already a good friend um and we already spoke to him about getting involved so yeah as soon as as soon as uh, ben left jot jot was our first 
we knew straight away, let's get Jot in, man, because he's sick and he'll smash it. So, yeah, that's what we did. The track that you're talking about was Rotten, right? Uh, Rotten, yeah, the original Rotten. It's like a grime song, yeah. That's it. And what about James? How did James become part of the lineup? Yes, yeah, same with him, really. Um, Josh, um, Josh and Rich were already good, close friends with James anyway. Um, and when Timothy left, um, we had we had about ten, uh, about nine or ten people that we were thinking about joining, and they were sending us demos. And um, as soon as I heard James's demos, I knew straight away that it was going to be James because I loved his style, I loved his guitar style, I loved all of his tones. And plus, he sent he sent like five tracks in a week. And you know everybody else was kind of sending one or two. Um, so yeah, we had a little meeting with him, and then we knew, we knew straight away. Well, I as soon as James sent his demos in, I started writing to him because I knew straight away. So yeah, that was it. Let's talk a little bit about reprogram. Uh, that's the new single. What was the writing and recording process like, especially with the band, band dynamics changing up a little bit here? Yeah, it was hard actually. It was because um, that's the first song we all wrote together, so. Um, it was a bit of a challenge, really, that one. It wasn't very easy, but um, the way we did it was, um, yeah, James J- James was making um, most of the guitar bits and Rich was coming in with the drums. So Josh, Rich and James were all working together on the instrumental and then they'll send an update to me and Jot and then me and Jot were writing a load of lyrics to it and then... Um, once we got a structure of the song ready, like we want this bit here, this bit there, like the eight there and then uh, the nine there. So we all, me and Jock recorded demos at our, at our houses of where we wanted the lyrics to be and where we wanted the parts to be. And then we all sent that round to all five of us, uh, probably about for about a month changing it. Everyone kept changing bits. No, I put that bit there, put the, that bit there. No, 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 I changed that bit for there. Oh, I don't like that bit. Oh, I changed that bit. Uh, that, went, that went on for about a month. And then when we finally got to um, the structure that we was all happy with, we were like, yes. So we we um, we ring up a guy called Justin Paul, uh, who's a really good um, engineer, and we went and recorded it with. We recorded it all again with um, with Justin Paul, um, and then got the masters, got it mixed by uh, Buster at Impact Studios. And then, yeah, it was ready. But yeah, it was a hard one to write, that one, because it was the first one with the new lineup. So, yeah. You mentioned all of you working individually on this. Have you guys come into one room and written things as a band together yet? Yeah, we have, yeah. Um, just two days ago, we was all at, we was all at my flat writing together. Um, Josh, Rich and James, they always, they always sit together and... Uh, and write the instrumentals. Um, but Jot, Jot lives in France at the moment. So what me and Jot are doing is um, writing stuff and sending it to each other. Do you know what I mean? In about a month's time, we've got, we've all, we're all booking a week off work to all write together as well. I think um, Jot's flying over. And um, when Rich, our drummer, he's just moved into a new house with a, with a big studio in his back garden. So I think we're going, we're going there um in a couple of weeks time just to just to finish finish more tracks and start new ones just to touch a bit upon the lyrics um it seems like a reaction to the current uh, social political and economics climate is it are we correct in our yeah assessment 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, man. Yeah, yeah. Just tell us a bit about what kind of uh, inspired it or what kind of. Um, it's kind of like everyone's um, on their computers, on their phones, or on, on a screen too much, and everyone's kind of forgetting about the world, you know, because yeah, everyone's just locked in to social media and and news and just just locked into their screens basically everybody's um always on their phones and stuff and they're, and they're, they're forgetting how much we're actually destroying the planet because you already because we're just yeah all right so armed with all that context let's give our listeners a taste of reprogram here it is the new single from activist it's called reprogram
So that was reprogrammed, the latest single from Hacktivist. What was the reaction you were looking at or aiming for, uh, Jay? And do you think you delivered on that count? Definitely delivered, yeah. Um, we, um, I, don't, I don't really ever look for too much reaction, but um, we definitely got our point across in that song. We got a, um, an amazing amount of views in the first week. We had to make sure that song was going to be quite big because obviously with, with the new guitarist and, well, Jock's not so new, but new guitarist, we had, we had, we had to pick from about four or five songs to release. And um, James said, yeah, I think the strongest song to make a comeback with would be reprogrammed. So we did, and um, I think we're all really, really happy with how the response has been. Everyone's yeah, loving the yeah. guitar sound and the rapping, so yeah. Um, I do want to ask you, you, does the fact that you guys have a strong message in your songs um, and this music is just the vehicle to deliver it, is that the band's purpose and does that continue to be the band's purpose? Yeah, I think we're always going to be, um, we're always going to be pushing, pushing the boundaries a bit with songs and um, yeah, we're always going to want to be wanting to um, rustle feathers in our songs, definitely. Um, Hundred percent. I'm just looking at this the um, the songs on my wall that we're going to be releasing coming up, and they're all pretty <laughs> they're all pretty controversial. I think. Yeah, I think that's what we like to write about. I mean, we like to write about um, you know big big issues, man. Not just just not just not just the birds and the bees or or the bitches and the guns and the drugs, man. I want to hit people hard with songs, you know, because we've got a little platform now to stand on. We might as well try and wake the world up you know we might as well we might as well say some decent stuff with this platform that we've got we might as well try and change a little tiny bit what kind of lyrical content are you guys touching upon uh, will we hear anything about say julian assange's arrest or maybe even brexit for that matter <laughs> um yeah there, there might be a couple of things about brexit i can't really say too much at the moment but uh <laughs> yeah there's 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 a lot of songs finished at the moment that are coming soon. So, yeah, we just have to wait. But they're not going to be... They're, they're definitely going to um, They're definitely gonna hit the nerves, <laughs> all of our songs. And I really hope um, Reprogrammed hit the nerves as well. Um, yeah, you're performing cool. at the Submit Festival uh, in a couple of months. Yeah. More shows planned and possibly expect you in India soon again. I think after, after the show in Netherlands... Um, submit fest after that i think uh may we've got a show in august in russia we're playing a show in russia um on the beach um taman taman fest i think it's called so that should be pretty good i'm not too sure if i can say anything about what we've got after that but we definitely want to be coming back to india 100 percent. but we, what we want to have is a load a load a load more new songs you know right. We, 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 want to, we want to get consistent. We want to get our name back out there. So um, um, give give you guys a, a, an album date as well. Ooh, lovely. That was good. That was just going to be the next question because you mentioned you're writing a bunch of new songs. So, of course, when can we expect to hear a new EP or a new album? Any indicative timeline? All I can say, all I can say is soon. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm not allowed to say. I'll probably get in trouble if I say anything. Probably this year you'll have an album, maybe, um, or at least a date. But yeah, you'll be getting a few cheeky singles here and there as well, so you'll be happy. 
definitely looking forward to that. Thank you so much for your time, Jay. Um, hopefully, you can hack our systems again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks a lot. It's good to hear from you. Thank, Thank you. you. Horns, Horns up. up. Horns up, man. Yeah. Horns up. Cool. So that was a short and snappy conversation with Jermaine. I actually was reading up on his Twitter while checking it out, and he seemed to be a little under the weather. So, yeah, I'm oh, glad at least ouch. he managed yeah. to make through that interview with us. Yeah, yeah, completely. But full props to Hacktivist for what they're doing. It'll be really exciting to see the what comes out from that camp in the weeks to come. I know they're doing a lot of tours and on that really bad segue, let me talk a little bit about Wacken Open Air for 2019. Let me put this into some context over here uh, because I realized through our Twitter exchanges, we've sometimes discussed this. First, let's set up Wacken. For most people, Wacken is like the mecca. It is the everything to do with metal. Uh, whether 100,000 sweaty metalheads in denim and leather is your thing or not, but you know, there's a certain stamp that comes through playing on a stage like Walk in Open Air. There's no denying that. Completely, man. It is the largest metal festival on earth at the moment. They have a lot of acts. This year's headliners are bands like Sabaton and Slayer. And representing India from this time around is Bloody Wood. So let, let me put this in a way for you, Animesh, because the moment I kind of saw that announcement that Bloody Wood had been announced as one of the acts for uh, Walk in Open Air, it was a bit of a head scratcher for me because as far as I'm aware, Bloody Wood has never performed live. And till date, all they're known for is doing covers on YouTube of popular Bollywood songs or popular music, basically. Like, I've seen the covers they've done of Backstreet Boys and the like. So if you're into that, you can go look it up. But here's my thing. As somebody who's been a musician for over a decade, performed at gigs ranging from pokey dives, uh, bars to, you know, big stages like N87 and stuff like that, how does what what goes through your head when you read news like that? Okay, I completely get the first reaction which a lot of people have or a lot of people will have is Bloody Wood doesn't deserve to be on that stage because they are not a traditional band in that sense. I mean, they don't have a string of shows. Uh, we don't know what the selection process is. They didn't come through the back and open air battles that uh, that we see or we have come to seeing. Um, so yeah, on that level, of course, the case can be made that they don't deserve it. But here is a slightly different take. Metal as we know it or music consumption as we know it is changing. This stems from a discussion that I've been having over the last few years with a lot of people within the community, uh, especially at gigs because nowadays geek turnout is at an abysmally low level, right? Even if you have a stacked lineup, you'll probably see the bands and their friends, and that's about it. All the new music discovery, which we used to use gigs for, is being done online and on YouTube. And I'm sorry to say, but in this day and age, YouTube likes, Facebook likes, social media likes, all of those things do matter. In which case, 
Bloody Wood is really not that much of a surprise. They do one kind of uh, sound at the moment, and they're pretty okay at it. I mean, it doesn't. Sure, it is cringeworthy, but that's because we may be metal purists. But uh, I don't think they're metal purists. But you, but you get that, right? We're more of the old school fans. So, a I don't think it's anything path-breaking their music because we've heard we've heard Sahil Makhija do this, right? Way long back. We've heard we've heard uh, Cranium do this on Deep Throat with Paria Paria. So, is it a new concept? No. But the fact that they've been doing this over and over again over the last I don't know how many ever years they're doing this, but uh, they're getting recognition. They're getting popular and this is a huge feather in the cap for them now having said all of that i think this walk-in gig is going to be the next uh, game changer of sorts or it has that kind of opportunity for something like a bloody wood because if they manage to pull off a really good stage show and they seem like decent musicians so i definitely think they have that ability in them uh we may just see them becoming the nickelback of metal in india and what i mean by that is i think there will be some opportunity in bloody wood going a little bit mainstream and hence maybe becoming a gateway band for more people to get into metal yeah and actually the, you know that was my same reaction initially and you know i haven't personally seen it but i see a lot of like people talking about Oh, you don't need to crib. So I'm assuming it's fellow musicians that are a little butthurt. Sorry, you are butthurt. And if you disagree with me, you know how to reach me. Uh, <laughs> about someone else getting the stage at Walk-In. I mean, first of all, congratulations. Because, you know, while I may not be the biggest fan of Bloody Wood, you have to admit that they do their marketing pretty smart. They do it pretty well. Uh, they, they've got fans all over the world. So definitely... Whoever is on the walk-in team, kind of selecting team, ha- has got their pulse on what's going on, not just on ground, but also online. Uh, and yeah, man, I mean, j- just to use a parallel example, uh, look at a non-metal artist like Nuclear. He packs in like easily 10,000 plus uh, people in his show. And I think for an independent music artist, that's tremendous considering we started off the discussion about how there are no uh, attendance for gigs so if it's gonna take bloody wood to get in a thousand people at a gig and from there they then discover you know that there are heavier acts and stuff like that like i have i mean who's to who's gonna say no to that i mean let uh, bloody wood be the lincoln park of india yeah no completely agreed with you i mean we've i've seen this live there's this band from Kolkata called Underground Authority that peaked, I think, a couple of years back because they managed to get onto India's Got Talent or some other TV show. And because of that, or because of that exposure, people were flocking to Underground Authority gigs. And yes, it was, uh, the music was absolutely a Linkin Park ripoff. But I'm pretty sure if even 5% of that gig crowd liked what they heard they may have gone back home and googled rap metal and hence gone on to discover what metal is and that's good for 
metal itself. I mean, yes, we between ourselves we continuously talk about how metal needs to keep evolving, and I completely get where purists come from. But yeah, the classics will remain the classics even forty years down the line. People will still need a reason to discover it. It'll be it's it'll be awesome if unlike the traditional means of somebody giving you music to listen to and saying check it out you have other bands or the internet come to your rescue and saying check it out no and i agree i mean i mean that's the reason why people still listen to iron maiden judas priest it's not like they've been changing their music or doing anything different right Peter, what the fuck is going on in the background? One second, hold on. I think oh, okay, someone is doing vacuuming. Hold on, one minute. Just wait. Ah, okay. okay. Is that better now? Yeah, completely. So before being sucked up into the vacuum. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry for that. But okay, no, hear me out. Hear me out. I do want to make one final point on this. So years ago, there was a period of time when Demonic Resurrection played Wacken and represented India at the Wacken Metal Festival. At that point in time, Demonic Resurrection, which is perhaps India's most well-known metal act, right? They got shit upon by the metal community of India or the metal scene as such. That's something that was again uh absolutely uncalled for i do think what you said was absolutely right a lot of people are buttered and it doesn't help that bloodywood doesn't have the credibility as such on the scene that the de- that demonic resurrection has as such but here is a chance for them to actually hit it out of the park parikrama managed to do this by taking that opportunity of somehow playing for iron maiden or opening for Iron Maiden in India and going on a European tour with all new material. It took Iron Maiden getting them a gig for Parikrama to write new songs. <laughs> <laughs> but they did it and now they're a better band for it. Hopefully with this move Bloody Wood become a much better band and can fulfill the criteria of or at least hit the check marks of what being a metal band is all about for people who have a fixed idea of what a metal band is no no fair enough and i agree man i mean uh, l- let's hope before the end of the year we're looking back at this conversation and saying hey bloody wood guys i'm glad you're listening to us and released a new album or released an or original album completely actually tell you what i would if bloody wood if you guys are listening to this um we'd love to just chat you up man we don't know anything about you let's actually just chat yeah so bloody wood if you're listening out there and for anybody else who wants to basically talk to us about this issue you know where to reach us we are on twitter at honsapod uh peter you're at trend crusher and i'm at asmo ani write into us tell us what you feel okay don't tell us what you feel tell us what you think and what side of the fence you're on in this entire bloody wood india wakan issue Yeah, how's that? Deal. So I'm going to leave you right now so that you can get punched by a few kangaroos. <laughs> no. 
I'm actually going on a family lunch after this, so yeah. <laughs> okay, so eat a few kangaroos. Are you allowed to do that? You can. Have you tried it yet? No, dude. Apparently, it's damn like tough meat. Yeah, I gave me. All right then. I'm okay. damn excited about uh, Paul Masidel. Oops, you weren't supposed to say that, Peter. Oh wait, are we recording this? Yeah, yeah, we are still recording this. It's a badly done sneak preview, but a sneak preview nonetheless. Horns up. Horns up.